0: signpost helps local wood flooring dealers and retailers attract communicate with and grow their client base the signpost app centralizes leads tracks and facilitates communication across email text and chat and helps generate reviews paired with 24 7 answering service signpost helps ensure you never miss a lead and also allows you to do what you do best visit signpost.com forward slash nwfa to learn more Hello, this is Michael Martin, President and CEO of the National Wood Flooring Association, and you're listening to the Real Answers Podcast. Today with me, as usual, I have Chris Zizza. How are you doing today, Chris? CNR flooring I'm up doing, in Boston.
1: Yeah, right on. I'm doing pretty good today. Can't complain. Good. Holidays behind me, at least this one is. Yes, well. On to the next one.
0: Very fast, very fast and quickly heading into December. So we only have a couple of these left for the year. So we thought maybe we would take a chance to kind of give some year-end tips, things going into next year that would be helpful, either, you know, as you maybe slow a little, slow down a little bit around the holidays or going into the next year, just to have some, some goals and objectives and things you have in mind. I know there are quite a few things that you do from a financial discipline type standpoint. You know, one of the things I thought about was maybe addressing accounts receivable. Um, what do you do with those that aren't collectible? Do you carry them over? Do you write them off? that kind of thing. So why don't you start us off with that? Let's talk about just being financially disciplined. Financially disciplined. Boy, I love that talk.
1: No, you're right. And end of the year is a great time to talk about, you know, I had a mentor years ago, uh, every time he got to the podium before he would go into the program of whatever event we were at, at, he would take out a piece of paper and he would go, I'm going to do some housekeeping first. And he would do all his thank yous. And he always had a list. So I think end of the year is a great time to make a list of things that you need to address because we go through the year of running our business and hoping that we pull everything off. And my office would be the first one to call in and say, yeah, Chris has a new list every January. And, you know, it's usually over for discussion by February. But um, the truth is you make your list and if you could take over one of those items, you know, every month, that would be great. But like you just mentioned financial, uh, that's a great place to always be cleaning house or doing housekeeping as my mentor used to like to call it. So let's talk about that. Receivables, receivables, man. AR who owes me money? Who owes you money? Um, you mentioned writing them off, you know, Writing them off, uh, I think that's the the first part of that is that's dialogue between you and your accountant on when you want to write them off. And, you know, because you might need the break the tax break and you can always pick it up again if it came in um, as a receivable at a a later date. But we all know which ones you need that you're never going to get paid on and whether or not you want to write them off. So, you know, the first thing we do is we print out our AR our accounts receivable report. And we run down the list and, you know, we do that on a regular basis anyway, but I know the ones that have been hanging out there because it's a callback item or a maintenance issue or whatever it's going to be. And this is the time to decide whether or not you're getting rid of it or keeping it. Um, So that's your receivables. And, you know, it, it it all depends on how big your company is, you know, how long that list, you know, is going to be. I mean, our AR list, I mean, there could be, you know, 50, 50 items on there at any given time. Right. You know, it takes, it takes us a while to go through our, our AR talk each week. And then bouncing off of AR is the obvious AP on payables. And what I was hoping to jump into on what I'd like to call financial independence is an exercise that we go through at cnr flooring and i'm hoping that this helps you guys out there uh, as you're trying to organize your own funds in your own company and so i'm a big fan of putting things in different buckets and to be real basic for a second for those of you who don't know what i mean i mean it's this simple If everything has its own bucket, or some people like to call them toolboxes, it's basically just its own place. So if every time you pick up a deposit check from somebody for a job, that money should not go into your regular checking account or what we call your operating account. That money should go into a separate account known as a deposit account because You haven't started spending that money yet. And I don't want you to pick up a deposit check on Monday and use it for payroll on Wednesday. You haven't even done the job yet. If you're doing that, well, that's an old phrase called robbing Peter to pay Paul. And we don't want you to do that. We want you to put the deposit money in a deposit account, then decide what to do with the money when you need to do it. Okay. That's the first step to having some financial independence. You following me, Mike?
0: I am. What other accounts do you use? Do you have have kind of a recipe for different things that you put different places?
1: We actually do, believe it or not. Um, We have an account that we use where we stockpile sales tax money. And we have another account that we call our payroll account. And our payroll account has enough cash in it for um, at least one week's payroll, if not two weeks payroll. And we try and keep it that way. You know, when we when we supercharge it, it's got two weeks payroll in there. But we'll eventually get it down to that one week mark. And the reason we try to keep that whole week in there is so we're not scrambling any given day before it's time to make payroll. So we have a payroll account. We have an operating account where we pay regular bills out of. Then we have the sales tax account, and we have our deposit account. And then, of course, my favorite, our self-funding account.
0: Ah, which is pay-yourself-first account. You're yeah, damn right it is, baby.
1: Um, I'm sorry. If you guys can hear me smiling about that, I've gotten so many calls from guys out there around the country that are exercising the pay-yourself-first rule, the 3 to 5% rule, and, and they're sending me text messages. Some guys are calling me and saying, you know, guess how much money we have in that account? Uh, I can tell you that every week I get jazzed up at hearing or reading about what got moved from the operating account into the, depo- into the deposit account and what got moved into the self-funding account. We just call it the 3% account. Because that's what we do. 3% of everything that comes into the company goes into that account first. And by the way, that's every dollar that comes into the company. So if I got a $50,000 deposit check on Monday for a job, or let's not, let's not throw big numbers around. I got a $10,000 deposit check on Monday for a job. 3%, $300 of that check is going into that account. And the rest of it goes into the deposit account. The 3% rule applies to every dollar that ever comes into your company. And the faster you guys start doing that on a regular basis, the more money you're going to have over time. And trust me, it just builds up. And I know how much it builds up for everybody because of how many calls I've been getting. So for you young guys, you're the first year in business or the third year in business. I, I hope I'm around to talk to you when you're in my chair at 35 years in business and you put 3% away since year one or year two or year three. And you've been in the business for three decades. That's going to be a big number guys. And I bet you own a building too by that time, because that's what we did when we started self funding, we took the money and we bought our building. Now I'm 55 years old thinking about what's on the, you know, the back nine as they call it. And, uh, Part of my retirement, when that time comes, will be to sell that building that I got from self-funding. So sorry, I know that was a bit of a rant, but I'm hoping it lands you guys into a position of understanding financial independence starts with organizing the money the right way and not robbing Peter to pay Paul, which means don't take funds that don't belong to you to pay for something else.
0: For those of you who are listening that are on a on working for a company where you're salaried and you have the option of putting your 401k money first or going into a savings account straight out of your straight out of your paycheck, that's another way of doing it when you're not a business owner. But it's it's the same principle that you are taking care of the future before you take care of the present. In some ways. Um Leaving yourself with enough money in the end because it really does add up. Um, and some of the things that I was thinking about when you went through there, I know we've we've had some some guys that have sent feedback saying you know they were able to buy their own truck or they were they're able to make a plan now for buying their building or what are some of the other ways that you've seen uh, some of our callers use the use that advice?
1: Um, well, I saw one guy prepaid his worker's comp for the year and he got a discount off it and And then he actually formulated a loan to his own company to pay the money back into the fund, and he made a profit on that. And so you know I thought that was an interesting trick and and it's not something we've ever done, but it's something we're looking at now. Right. So those are things that people have done. The other thing I've seen people do is use some of the funds for new tools and new equipment. One thing I could tell you to consider, and this is going to sound like a bit of a commercial, But it shouldn't. You should just realize the 3% fund is a perfect place to go and pick up money. For example, okay, you're a small company. You've been putting money away, and now it's time for NWFA's Expo. And you don't want to give up on revenue. Well, go to the Expo because that's important. And put some of the money from the 3% account into the operating account to cover you while you're gone because you had a dip in revenue stream. That's good use of funds. That's using your money to educate yourself to grow your business. So anytime you want to try and expand your knowledge or increase your certifications, that's good use of those funds. Other than that, would I I use it to fund a vacation for my family? I would not. I don't encourage that. Other things that guys out there, I, I know some guys in the business, what they like to do on the year end, is they'll start ripping through the equipment and they'll make a list of what do they think is starting to look worn. And what can I do with my downtime here? It's, you know, sometimes it's as simple as cords afraid and you want to fix them. But other times you're looking at an edger that's getting beat up and maybe you need to plan in by the first quarter, I want to buy a new edger or I'm going to you know, I'm going to send this big machine in for a tune-up and we're going to look towards buying another big machine.
0: So do you have These a plan? Some, do you have a depreciation schedule or, or a plan of any sort? So let's say you you buy a new piece of equipment and for that particular piece of equipment. You're going to carry that for three years and then you're going to replace it or five years or whatever that lifetime is. Do you, do you track it like that or you just kind of know in your head no, what's happening?
1: The, the truth is we don't track it like that. And the interesting thing about the equipment in our industry, and many of you guys out there will agree with me, is the stuff is durable. It typically does go the distance. You know, I got big machines on on the everyday line right now that are probably more than 10 years old. Um, We did have a company meeting yesterday, and I talked about getting uh, each crew a new big machine. So you know, we're in the market, we're going to go out, we're probably going to buy five or six of those next year. And um, we're going to buy uh, a few power drives. Uh, We've made some decisions on equipment changes moving in. And so CNR has made a decision to invest in equipment into 2022. And we didn't do it because of depreciation or a calendar scale. We did it because we we every now and then do step back, look at the equipment and see how old it's getting. And, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, you you just got to bite the bullet and buy today's machine.
0: Yeah. So now we're, I guess we're really in this, in this episode talking about tune up. So first of all, we're talking about tuning up your finances. Now we're talking about tuning up your equipment inventory. Um, is there anything you do to tune up your operations? And and I think that's a good time just from from my perspective, the way we run things here, the end of the year is a really good time to kind of just clean the decks and, and throw out anything that's been hanging over that just doesn't make any sense anymore and yeah. really and really set the intent for the for the coming year. But from an operations standpoint, do you have anything that you typically do kind of at the the end of the year?
1: Yeah. Well it, it it's you know, the things we're doing right now, we're still ongoing on our organizational chart and our processes and procedures paperwork. Uh, We've come a long way um, in the past year improving what we're doing. And the biggest change that CNR made in 2021 was our weekly updates. Every Thursday, I get a list of all our payables anything that we have in receivables and the status of all four of our different accounts that we discussed earlier today. And we never used to talk about that weekly, but now we do. The other thing I used to let my office just review the subcontractor invoices. And I've started asking for them to get sent to me on a regular basis. And I've been looking at them and I realized that some of our subs have just, you know, just went up in price on their own. So I actually have a meeting tomorrow with one of our installation companies that we use to discuss why over the last year he's creeped his numbers up and I'm not looking to beat him back down. I want to talk about what his plans are for his pricing over the next two or three quarters so that we can adjust our sales prices so that we can sell into what our costs are gonna be. See, guys. Nobody ever used to do this when when we're just these small companies out there selling a hardwood flooring job. Then we do the hardwood flooring job and then we get the money. Well, yeah, that's the basic thing. But the reality here is if you have these meetings about costs and understanding the costs and understanding the overhead around those costs, then you can decide what you really need to sell it to your customer for. And you sell. Based on your costs and your profit, and now your company stays afloat and is a proper business. And that's what we're talking about here at Real Answers, being a proper business and working on your operations. So to answer your question directly, Mike, operations, we're checking our costs and making sure they're in check with next year. We had a meeting with the whole team yesterday, and I'm happy to report that In the meeting yesterday, we announced to the sanding division we had a price increase for everybody. We gave everybody raises across the board, and they were pretty happy. I know they're happy about the pizza, but they were a little more happy about the raise. And the feedback today has been really great. They're excited about it. We did increase our pricing ourselves going out there into the marketplace. Nothing crazy, but Our costs have gone up, so our sell price has to go up. And I'm not encouraging everybody to do that. I'm encouraging everybody, you need to step back, look at your business, make decisions on what to do with your business so that your business can stay afloat. Does that make sense, Mike? And I I think this is probably a good jumping off point. What do you think?
0: Yeah, that is. What what I would say, though, just as a follow-up question for you, is what do you think is going to happen in 2022 as far as are supply prices going to come back down or are we going to main, are these prices going to stay high on the equipment and the and the tools and the and the sandpaper and all the things that you you have to buy to run your business and i'm not this isn't really just about the wood flooring industry this is about everything everything's more expensive now as you know we kind of work our way through the supply chain issues with the pandemic um yeah. but i wonder what happens when it's all said and done and supply is running you know s- smoothly again will the prices come back down or will they stay where they're at
1: you know what? It it well. I think it does. I don't think there's a choice. I think it has to go back down. You can't just educate people that they're going to have to pay more. Everything is so inflated right now. I can tell you right now that if things softened for us, we would back down on our pricing for sure, because it's a formula. We 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 work on 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 a margin number that that we try to uphold. I'm not a I'm not a margin grabber. I never have been we we have an even keel we try and achieve growth at a particular margin that keeps us in business and keeps us stable and that's why we've been here 35 years crystal ball for next year i don't have one but god if anybody does could you call me up and clue me in <laughs> because i'd really like to see 2022 at the very least repeat 2021 sales but what am I praying for? I'm praying for an increase like everyone else. Not an increase in cost, but an increase in sales and an increase in profit. And, uh, and, and that's what we strive for every day. And you know what? I said this to my builder yesterday, and he goes, wow, I love that kind of talk. So I'm going to leave you guys with this phrase that I said to him yesterday. He was apologizing to me about a job that started out really big and then they had to value engineer it and it dropped down into a pretty small job. And I said to him, I go, yeah, well, this job's not so big anymore, so I'm not worried about the the changing costs. Nobody's gonna get hurt on it, it's so small. And then I said to him, quite frankly, and he goes, yeah, I apologize about that. And I answered back to him quickly. I said, quite frankly, don't apologize because I look at things over a whole year. What were our sales together for the year? That's what's important to me, not what was our sale together on this one job. The whole year's sales and the whole year's success or failure is what makes or break your company. And that's how we measure things at CNR. And he responded back with, wow, I love that kind of talk. You get the big picture. So, guys, get the big picture. Look at your whole year and then break it down and make a plan for your next year. That's where I'm at.
0: All right. Well, it's, I do think that's a great place for us to stop this one. We have some ideas for what's going to come up next week. We have one more podcast left in the year for 2021 and, uh, we're, it's going to be a special one. We're going to talk about some different things, uh, to kind of wrap up the year from an industry perspective and really just from a, from an employer perspective and how you manage your folks. So tune in in a couple of weeks and listen to that one. I love it.
1: Thank you very much, Mike. And guys out there, keep it real. And, uh, Hope you have a great, happy, and safe holiday season. We'll talk to you next week.